anything that affects our senses, because we seek out things. They, they always talk about this business thing. If I hear one more time, they say, what's the pain point? Do they miss all the pleasure point? You don't get comfortable seats because of pain. You get comfortable. You'll seek comfort. You'll seek good things. You'll run away from pain. So do you want to only sell because of the pain point? Or do you want to have things where it's a pleasure point and people feel good about what, you're, what you've got? People love music. Why would they sell all those CDs or streaming or all this? Because we're wired for sound. Let's discover the Cleveland entrepreneurial ecosystem. We are telling the stories of its entrepreneurs and those supporting them. Welcome to the Lay of the Land podcast, where we are exploring what people are building in Cleveland. I am your host, Jeffrey Stern, and today I had the real pleasure of speaking with Dennis Alther. This conversation is our longest to date, and only more wisdom is unlocked the deeper into the throes of Dennis's mind we go. Today, Dennis founded and runs Alther Audio here in Slavic Village within Cleveland, where he sells Premier Audio Systems. But as you'll hear, Dennis not only has a deep passion for unlocking the highest levels of audible literacy, but there is a real commitment to the craft itself and questioning across the board why we've always done things the way we've done things and really digging into and solutioning where the justification for the way things are today is that this has always been the way that we have done it. This curiosity Dennis carries with him has exposed him to a breadth of experiences from a prodigal expertise in electronics to the United States Air Force, to medical technology, to audio systems. And in this conversation, we really cover everything from Dennis's early life to hard electronics, to entrepreneurship, to philosophy itself. This really was a, a special conversation and I hope you all enjoy it. Welcome, Dennis. Uh, it is a, a real pleasure to have you on. Once again, I'll, I'll bring up Bob Sopko, who back through the, the archives here was actually one of the, the first guests we've had on the podcast and is kind of a, an ultimate maven here in Cleveland, making connections for, for the show and, and bringing, bringing folks together. And I'll, I'll actually let Bob set the stage here a little bit because the way he introduced me to to you was was really kind of uh, extraordinary, but he he introduced you as as his friend, as as someone who's used your own inventiveness to help bring yourself to a, a productive life. As someone who read every book on electronics in the library by the time you were you were seven, as a community builder, as a as a veteran, as an entrepreneur, as a colleague of Steve Wozniak since the seventies. And now you're building and manufacturing here in Cleveland, incredible sound systems. And so there's just a, a lot to unpack and, and uncover here. And so I'd, I'd love to dive into this, leaving the floor kind of open to you to, to take us through your, your journey and, your, and your, your past as we work our way towards some of the, the more specific things. But I'd love to just hear a little bit about yourself. Well, I would first off say that I'm not a colleague of Steve Wozniak's, but I've known him. So he'll return my emails generally. So it's not like we work <laughs> together, uh, but that's another story. So where should we start on this journey here? Yeah, I think I'd, I'd love to start maybe even as, as far back as your, your interest in electronics as kind of the common theme that, that ties, I, as I have seen it, a lot of your work together maybe, maybe stems from that. It's, it's all about technology. I'm, I'm an, I would consider myself an uber geek. I live for electronics and mechanics and anything that's creative and you could make the world a better place. So as you, as you'd said, I started reading books on electronics when I was a kid, mainly because I was in the projects and after I was out of the projects, I had, you know, like three half brothers and, you know, stepfathers that weren't the best people. And one of them always had that where you were to be seen, but never heard. So I made as much time as I could away from the house. And I spent a lot of time in the library reading about a lot of sci-fi, love sci-fi, read everything on electronics. I remember reading about how TVs work and go, this is simple. This is so logical. <laughs> and then I read all the stuff on the children's side. And then I snuck over to adult side and ran all that stuff and really started repairing, you know, 
stereos and TVs and stuff at an early, early age. I'd repair anything for a buck in parts. So, and I got really good at troubleshooting, quite, quite good and understanding how, but I, I couldn't just repair anything. I always had to modify it. It was like if you had a five tube radio and it would take time to warm up and come on, I would put what's called a diode across the power switch that would be the opposite of the power supply that it would keep the tubes warm, but it wouldn't give them power. And then when you threw the switch, it would short by the diode and instant on television, instant on radios. And no one had that back then. So I was always tinkering, always adding more parts or taking parts out and got quite good at it. So early part of my life, I, I bought all my own test equipment and had my first job. And I was probably around nine or 10 working in a hardware store, learning how to put together bikes and all that kind of good stuff. And then as I went through life, due to my one, I was really great at electronics. I really knew it. I was in uh, summer. I went to Baldwin Wallace College and part of a program called Upward Bound. And I kind of snuck away from home after you know, in ninth grade. I started staying with friends and couch surfing. And, you know, the home situation stunk so bad. But I did graduate from high school. I was on my own pretty much. I was actually uh, emancipated, they call it, legally. And I always had multiple jobs. I'd work. I, I, I could go without sleeping, maybe sleeping three, four hours a night. So I was really productive, always building stuff, always. And, and I had a passion for sound and passion for, for pictures and electronics and cars. You know, I could work. I owned a ton of cars. When I was eight years old, I was already buying and selling cars. So, you know, you could, you could own a car at any age. You couldn't drive it. So at one time I had five cars across from where we lived in uh, here in Slavic village. I don't know who owned the property. It was an empty lot and I had five cars over there and I'd swap cars and, you know, <laughs> it, was, it was crazy. It was crazy. So No um, Hot Wheels, so, real cars. Then, no, no, real cars, you know, but all of them were real junk i mean you're talking about these things had may may pop tires they may pop at any moment you know i mean they were <laughs> they were pretty pretty sore cars they were ready they were past ready for being for the, the scrapyard but they ran they ran my one brother passed away by sleeping in his car and the fumes got to him and at that point i was around 17 and i go you know i really am good at electronics i'm really good at electronics but who's going to believe you? You know, like, well, you taught yourself. Well, what school did you go to? This, that, and the other. And, and actually, I'd had an opportunity to go to uh, Exeter. And mm -hmm. my mother at that time was a little narcissistic. You know, people are what they are. And it meant she would go off welfare sooner. So that wasn't going to happen. Before then, I had a chance to skip three grades when I was in elementary school. Same story. So when that happened, I figured, you know, this is time to get out of here. That's when I kind of went on my own. And to back up a little bit. And then when my brother passed away, I figured, well, maybe if I joined the Air Force and I told people, well, I, you know, I had, where do you know electronics? Well, I was in the Air Force. Then that would validate that I actually knew electronics because most people say, well, if you're in the military, did electronics, that's even better than going to college for a trade school. Hmm. So I joined the Air Force. I went to their electronics school in Keesler after basic, of course. And I had a two and a half year course. I think I did it in about eight weeks. I had the highest scores they ever had. You know, just took a test every day. That's all they'd let you do is one test a day or I would have been out of there a lot sooner. So in about eight mm -hmm. weeks, I took all the tests, ended up going to the Southeast Asia to the Philippines and working on things like commando escort and presidential communications and sensor program and things called TOF and all this microwave stuff and everything basically in this, you know, Philippines, Thailand. So I had a great career. I was working, did work with a three-star general and didn't have any rank. I remember he used to say, looks at me one day and he goes, well, what did you do to get busted? I go, I never got any stripes, you know, because by the time you'd be <laughs> over in the Philippines on any career, you usually had a stripe or two. I didn't have any. I said, I would love to have you. You can give me one if you'd like. I, I made airmen in the you know ear and airmen in the base and all that kind of stuff. So I was pretty involved in things. And that was right in around 72. And then at the end of that, I got transferred to the States to go to Panama City, Florida. And that's right when Vietnam ended. And they said, well, if you uh, we want to get rid of 40,000 people and your job, what you're doing right now, no longer exists because it's in direct support of what some of the stuff we're doing in Nam." Um, 
would you like an early out with full benefits? And I go, well, let me look that up and think about that. <laughs> so I'll have medical and college and GI Bill for buying a house. And my purpose is to go in and have people believe that I know something about electronics. Uh, yeah, I think I'll take that deal. So the next day I was out of the Air Force. It was unbelievable. So when I got out of the Air Force, I, you know, immediately started looking for a job. I went on, I never got on unemployment. I came back to Cleveland of all things. I'm leaving Panama City, Florida, and coming back to Cleveland. So, you know, I'm sure there's something totally wrong with my brain there because a nice warm climate. And then you come back to, well, you don't like the weather here. Wait a minute. You know, I had a friend who was a weatherman here. He left because the weather didn't agree with him. It was just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to work for a company that repaired medical equipment and computer peripherals, big things like what they call XY plotters, large scale plotters, and had those kind of clients. They did a lot of what's called ultrasound back then. And that was like in 77. So I worked with them for about a year. And then I kept having people from like, we did work for Bobby Brooks and a few other customers, and they were constantly calling me. By the way, I was the best service repairman in the country. So when somebody couldn't fix something, I'd be going in places, and I was working 80-hour weeks. I was, hmm. I, was, I was a beast. So I started my own company because people were the guys, especially Bobby Brooks, they were saying, you got to come to work because their service on their equipment, it was a company called Gerber, made their big plotters that drew their dress patterns, and their closest service was out of Connecticut. I believe. And I could go in and service something an hour. They'd have to fly somebody in, get parts. I would half the time. I could repair right down to the transistor on the boards, everything I've ever serviced. Uh, your name gets around. I end up doing works for Bobby Brooks. The next thing you know, I'm doing service for Richmond Brothers. And on they've got big laser cutters cutting out suits and doing work for General Tire and then BF Goodrich and, and General Tire and all the tire companies, they'd have research equipment and they'd have stuff that was abandoned. Child, nobody took care of it anymore. So I was either working on super state-of-the-art stuff or stuff that was extremely old and no one knew how to service it. And so that was my two points. Anything that everybody's servicing or doing, nah, I didn't have any interest in that. But stuff that's really, really old, no one knows how to repair. And stuff that's state-of-the-art, no one knows how to repair. And both of those ends are are very rewarding because you're actually doing something nobody else can do. And that was my way of getting self-worth, I guess. Everybody has a reason why God put them here and mine is to, to do electronics. So the, the, founding, the, the founding insight was really one of, of deep technical expertise and, and seeing that something is now possible that people yeah, weren't and, thinking and, about. And, and not hard to do. We started building computer analysis systems which was the, the off-growth. Then as we were building more and more computer systems, we realized the real business is the video recorders because I could sell those to everybody that makes these analysis systems that cost $80,000, $100,000, and I could ship that. You didn't have to ship a whole desk with an Apple II computer and a bit pad and monitors and disk drives. and So that went pretty good until, you know, basically 9-11 happened. And while all this is going on, I've been off the Skywalker Ranch for THX, and I ended up doing a, a beyond the consumer stuff. I ended up being the TAP representative for Ohio, which I could say now I'd go in and you know evaluate the movie theaters that were THX. If that's the Thompson Holman experiment is what that stands for, and Thompson mm -hmm. Holman was their hard head of engineering for Star Wars, and you know they did Star Wars. They went out and listened to it in the theater. They go, this sucks. We've got to put a standard <laughs> down so all the movies are the same and the same quality. And that's what Lucasfilm was all about. So I would go and sit in the theaters and make sure everything was working the way it should. And that included like the, the, the signs on the bathrooms, what the parking lot looked like. It's all mm. about if people go to a THX theater, which is kind of not so much anymore, but at that time it was, they have to pay a lot of money. And it's saying, it's like, you know, when you go to McDonald's, you know what you're going to get. The French fries will always be cooked the same. So you know when you go to a THX theater, you know that it's going to be the exact same as it will be at another theater in California or Canada or, you know, wherever you go. So I would do that for a while. So anyway, after 9-11, I go, you know what? I am just tired. I'm, I'm, I've had enough of this. I decided to kind of and, – and, and we had had a new invention that was pretty pronounced. We were going to build an, an analysis system – 
to, to look at x-rays digitally because they just came out with digital on viewing stations. The viewing stations were half a million dollars. So we had somebody, a, a, a major group was going to buy us, give me a lot of money, a lot of money, and give me a really great salary. So for about a year, we danced with them. And right when 9-11 happened, we were going to actually do the deal two weeks later. And that stopped that deal. And that group went from having 400 employees to having like now probably 10. Mm -hmm. So if I'd gotten on board with them, it probably would have been a downhill run for us anyway. So with that, I kind of sat back for a couple of years and repaired all the, we, I think we put about 3,500 VCRs into the marketplace across all the cardiac, some of them in ultrasound. We had a fair amount in military, a lot of research places used our VCRs and we kind of made a name for it. It was a real slick looking box. It was really cool. We did all the trade shows. We'd go to the American Heart, American College, the RSNA. We do all the big trade shows around the country and knew all the, the head radiologists that, you know, Cedar sinai and and the Mayo Clinic and all these, we had stuff everywhere. And it was great because we'd put it in the universities first and it would just spread. They, uh, they would tell their friends and it's a very close knit society. And when we picked up all the OEMs on our stuff, when you got a $2 million lab, some, our VCRs were 10,000 to $20,000. The competitors were a hundred thousand, 80,000 and we outperformed them. And our material, it was $600 for a reel-to-reel hour long tape. Ours was 20 bucks for two hours. Wow. So you do the math, you know, and you could store them on a shelf. They were on reel-to-reels. You had to wind the thing, you know, and put it in all that, all that craziness. So, so I, I sat back for a couple of years. I just repaired the machines because we had enough of them in the field. And it had been their mean failure time was eight years. And people mm. used these things for a long time. And I'd get them back and do a complete rebuild and send them out. It was a one-man show. Probably made more to my pocket than when we were running the business because I didn't have all the overhead and all that stuff. So then that finally kind of wound down a little bit. And then I've always had this passion for audio. So the the real story is we have yeah. an acquaintance. And this acquaintance was doing inner-city preaching at the Cleveland Boys and Girls Club gym. Now, if you've ever heard anybody speak in a gym – it's less than ideal, right? It's like <laughs> Echo City. So, so you go in a gym. I would take a set of really good speakers. They're a company called Tannoy. It's a real high end. They're like number two in studios worldwide outside of America. And a nice mixture and all this stuff. You go to the back of the gym and you go, I have no idea what this guy is saying. It's like just it's like being in a cavern. And by the way, this guy was a, a, a former drug dealer. And he had brought 160 people to hear, to know Christ, most of them as former customers. So he'd have this place packed because they're giving them food and jackets and everything else. But I think a lot of the people were there for the food, the jackets and all the stuff, because they certainly weren't hearing what he had to say. <laughs> I'm there and I couldn't understand what he was saying. So I actually went home after a few of these little, you know, church services on Sunday in the boys club gym. I go home and I pray about it. And everything I've ever built, by the way, has been in lucid dreams. Whenever I've had a problem, I've wow. slept on it. And in color, I'm a color dreamer. I would do all the circuitry. If you ever watch like the prisoner of war things, you know, yeah, all the circuitry, I'm working it all out in my mind. And since I've done the, the stuff in the military and since I did the stuff with ultrasound and ultrasounds, Really kind of simple. It's, it's called beam forming, and I could give you a quick explanation if anybody will put him to sleep out in the audience. I, no, I, I, I would love to hear it. Imagine, if you will, a perfectly flat pond, right? There's no waves. If you drop a rock, as we all know, because I think most of us have dropped rocks in the pond, it goes out in waves, big circles. Now, if you line up 10 people at the beach on that perfectly smooth pond, and you line them up 10 feet apart, and you have one guy drops a rock in the pond. And the next guy counts the 20 and he drops a rock in the pond. And the next guy counts the 20 and he drops a rock in the pond. Those waves will combine and you'll have a perfect straight wave going off on a 45 degree angle to where the last guy drops the rock. Can you imagine that? I'm, I'm visualizing. If you start at the outer two guys and they drop rocks at the same time, and then the guy in the middle is the last one, it'll make a concave looking wave. 
And that's how they focus ultrasound is how they fire those crystals. There's usually 64 to 128 crystals and they fire them in groups. And so they could, they can point it back and forth. And that's actually how 5G works with their antennas. They, they, it's the delay between them. And that's how they focus what they're doing. Okay. So if that makes sense. So what we, what we came up with is a speaker. If you have a line of speakers, say we've got nine speakers. And if you put your head right next to the center speaker, that center speaker is only going a couple inches to hit your ear, right? The one at the top's going a lot of inches to hit your ear. So sound is very short wavelengths and your human hearing is most sensitive to time delay. If you change volume on something, you have to double the volume for human. It could be 2 dB on professional people, but you got to double the volume. It's called 3 dB. You have to double the volume to perceive a difference. So if you have 10 watts, you got to go to 20 watts. If you have a radio that's a receiver that's 100 watts and you got one at 125, they're identical volume identical you got to go to 200 to perceive it gets a little bit louder so you can see it it it's it's it starts using power really really fast you go one watt two watt you're yeah. in the thousands before you know it and frequency everybody goes well you know james taylor sounds a little bassy on those speakers and you go has he ever visited your house and sang to you without sing, singing <laughs> through a pa system you have no idea what james taylor sounds like you know what piano sound like you know what violins sound like, but most things in a movie is totally man-made. You have no idea what that boom is supposed to sound like. And most things in people singing, you have no idea what their voice sounds like because you've never actually heard them, right? So your mm -hmm. idea of frequency is garbage. You don't have any idea what's too high, too low, unless you've worked with the people. But time delay, you're really sensitive to. If somebody talks at the right side of your, you stand on, on your right side, it hits your right ear. And then a few itsy-bitsy bit in time, it hits your left ear. Same volume. That little delay will tell you in tenths of a degree where that person is standing in the room. That little delay around your nose. And with mine, I've got a really big nose. It's a big delay. So my brain actually calculates for that. But on most people, it's a short delay. So maybe that's why I'm a little bit better at hearing. i got that big delay working for me. <laughs> so what happens is that if you've got a line of speakers, the top speaker is – back in time. So if you gave it a pulse, you'd see a bunch of pulses if you were to electronically look at it. It wouldn't be one pulse. So it's like guys are rowing a boat and everybody's kind of rowing. There's, you know, there's nine guys and they're all rowing at different speeds, but the boat's kind of moving forward. You get sound coming out of this thing, but it's blurry. Can you picture that? Because things are yeah. arriving and it's just like you've got double vision. It's, it's making everything smooch together. Well, by time aligning the speakers, and we're doing it passively in the speakers, companies have time aligned speakers. They put an amplifier on every single speaker, and they do the delays digitally, and they it's a network thing, and it takes time. So it's actually back in time. They can't do it at real time. And what we do is we have a secret sauce in our box to where when we send the sound, they're all time aligned so that the thing's got three-and-a-half-inch speakers. That three-and-a-half-inch speaker is very light and easy to move. Okay, all of them combined, the overall surface area is rather large when you put nine times the surface area of the little one guy. So you get this big thing moving really fast with a lot of control, but it's all focused on the center speaker. So when it sends sound out, instead of being 90 degrees up and down and 90 degrees side to side, we're three degrees up and down. It shoots straight ahead and almost nothing side to side. So we've got these, they cover the Cleveland Zoo with 10 of these. Oh, wow. They go thousands of feet outdoors. And the volume when you're 10 feet away sounds exactly like to your perception that when you're 1,000 feet away. That's and 180 incredible. degrees across. So we put one or two of them on a, a press box in a football field. We've got them at Western Reserve Academy. They've got them in their chapel. They've got them on their soccer field. They've got them on their football field. It will cover a whole football field you could clearly hear it in the visitor side just and you could sit underneath it and be on this call because the way that it focuses the sound and incidentally that's the whole thing like i put my name upside down when you go to a meeting my big beef is most things are done because this is the way people's always done them you go in a meeting room the speakers are in the ceiling i don't know anyone other than somebody deformed whose ears point up your ears point forward you reject sound behind you so if it's above you, if you go home and you could try this, 
Put on it, get two identical TVs, set one behind you, put a program on, watch the screen in front of you, play the sound from behind you. And if it's a movie you haven't seen, you'll have trouble following the movie, even though it's crystal clear, because it doesn't sync. It's like when you look off the road, you drive off the road. So hmm. localization is a big deal on intelligibility. If somebody's speaking and the sound's coming from where they're at, you think that's them talking louder. It shouldn't sound like a PA system. Sound should be natural. And most sound systems, they, everybody sounds like. <laughs> you hear them on most sound systems because they have a horn and a woofer. The woofer's got a lot of mass. And yep. when you start the woofer moving back and forth, it literally is going about 120 miles an hour, stopping dead and changing direction. So it's got too much. If you take a train and try to stop it, it isn't going to stop. But these little bitty speakers, they can stop on a dime. So the clarity is way, way beyond what you'll get with a big speaker. But you got the same amount of air. All you care about at the end of the day is how much air can you move. And if you don't try to go low frequencies, 95% of all energy is 100 hertz down. That's like a, a low bump, Okay. So when you're trying to get a speaker that's a 15 or an 18 to go down, they can't, I don't think there's any can go down to 20 hertz. They claim 20, but they, they really are doing 40 or 50 or 60. They can't do it without doing another frequency that's, like if they do 20, there's more 40 than 20. So you yeah, hear yeah. bass, but it's, it's blurry. It's not like to do, to do it properly, we'll have, we've taken like one of our line, our, our beam formers down to the Canton Fairgrounds, and they had eight subwoofers. Each one would be the size of a small refrigerator laying on its side, and we could cover that fairgrounds with one of these little stinking columns. They're only 40 inches long, and they're six Stop. inches wide, five inches deep, and they weigh 17 pounds, and they're weatherproof. So when we went about building the speakers, we, we did it from A to Z. We made them 40 inches long because the array is within a human hearing when you're sitting or standing from 95% of the people. And by being 40 inches long, when you do extrusions, they're 10 feet. And if my great math skills from South High Inner City is right. That's three. <laughs> so we don't like to waste stuff. You know, I, I'm not going to pay for dumpsters. We are so frugal. It's unbelievable. So when we cut something, it's thirds. Exactly. Okay. And when you ship stuff, because we plan on shipping thousands and tens of thousands of this, because when people find out what we're doing, all of, by the way, all of our sales, we've sold about 400 of these over the past few years, have all been referrals from our customers, not even referrals. We'll put them at VAS, for example, VASJ on, uh, in Euclid. They call somebody in North Canton and say, you got to buy this. We, we did Alex Bevan buys it. He tells all of his friends, you got to hear these things because they're outrageous. They're just so different than anything anybody's ever heard. We'll put a microphone dead on the front of one of these things and scream and not get feedback. We go in and do a demo in a church. They just write you a check and hand it to you. you know I mean? It's like, you know, it's like, what do you, all the problems with sound is because people don't look at the problem from beginning to end. And it's everywhere in life is that way. When you go in a shower, I always use this example, you know, you reach through to adjust the heat of the shower. So if it's scalding, you're reaching through the scalding water to adjust the shower. Every bathroom's plumbed like this. And you go, well, if you ran the, the plumbing another couple of feet, you could put the knob on the side or the back side of the tub. Oh, but that's more plumbing. You just brought it 300 damn feet. What's another three feet? You know, it's, it's like stupidity. It's like you get in your car and, you know, you have to have your headlights on when your wipers are on. So since they ever started making cars, if you turn on your wipers, your headlights, you come on. You shouldn't have to do – when you enter somebody on your iPhone, and Palm did this, and the UPS does it, you enter somebody's address on your phone, and it starts off in the alphabet keyboard. And you go, how many people do you know whose address starts with a letter? How many? The majority start with a number. And actually, if you put in the zip code – it should automatically put in the city and state and all that other nonsense, you know, and then you put their address and it should go straight to the number pad because everybody's address starts with a number. So <laughs> most things, most things are backwards. You go in a bathroom, right? So, so you go in an elevator, you know, I, I got this little thing where you go in, you got to have a medical exam, right? So you, and you go in the first mm -hmm. thing, it's a two story building. You go in the elevator. What do you see? 
first floor, second floor, and you go, shit, what floor am I on? You know, how the hell do I get there? What's the other floor? Shouldn't they just, and, and buttons cost a lot of money, right? So wouldn't it be better just have one button that says, go to the other floor, or go to the other damn floor, or just go, you know, I mean, where are you going to go? <laughs> if you're on one, you can only go to two. If you're on two, you can only go to one. Why well, have button one and two? I mean, to me, that seems like absurd, right? It's just yes. like when you do the pole vault backward. You know, the guy goes like, oh, damn, we've been doing it wrong all along. Overhead speakers are are horrible because they got to be up really high in order to distribute. So you need an awful lot of them. And it costs money to run stuff in the ceilings. In a gym, we did Beachwood High School with two of mm -hmm. our columns. We took down 12 of a three-letter company starts with J. Much better coverage, much better sound. We put a subwoofer in the corner. You'd swear the sound's coming out of those little columns because we go down to 100 hertz. We don't try to do lows because when you speak, a telephone goes from 300 to 3,000 for our speech intelligibility. That's all you need. We go from 100 to 18,000 ruler flat. That's one of the reasons ruler flat on frequency and time, more importantly. That's why when we put a mic up right next to the speaker, it doesn't squeal. Because it's exactly, if you if you look at people when they EQ, they cut down the squealing frequency because it's actually hotter than the rest of the stuff. Mm. Does that make sense? So yeah. we've gone in a different way. And plus the cabinets generate sound. So we've got a cabinet that's a debtor and a doornail. We fill 18 little chambers with something we call WAM, wave absorption material. So that when you thump your hand on the side of the cabinet, it would sound like a music box. A music box, you don't make any noise besides the sound coming out of the speaker. The box creates its own sound, right? So its sound coming off the side of the box is trying to kill the sound that's coming off the front of the box. Well, we're real dead in there. People don't realize that the sound on a speaker is loud as it is in front of a speaker, and they fill them with fiberglass and all that. The back of the speaker is the same cone, right? You can agree. The cone on the front is the same cone looking at the back of the speaker. So as loud as it is in your room at at loud volumes, it's that loud in that little space behind the speaker. Yeah. So what do you do with that energy? Well, we absorb it. We turn it to heat, basically. And then when you look at a grill, everybody's familiar with the metal grills. On We're talking commercial speakers, not home stuff, okay? Yeah. You look at a grill on a speaker, okay? It's got these little perforations. Well, if you take that grill off and put it underneath the water faucet, you'll find out the air ain't getting through there real good. Only 40% of the air is getting through those puny little holes trying to force itself through the holes. So it's bouncing back some of that energy to the cone and then through to the inside of the cabinet, coming back, hitting the cone again, hitting the face. So when you have a pulse, it just keeps pulsing forever. What we did was we have bars, stainless steel bars that we powder coat. And what they do is the sound comes out. It's like looking at just straight bars like in a prison because, you know, the sound wants to get out of this jail cell, right? So they're round. And as it, since it's round, it does the same thing as an airplane wing. As it hits that round thing, it has to build up pressure on the sides of that round bar. And then on the front side, it's got a negative energy. So they actually goes and forms right back to what it was. You're not breaking in a bunch of little holes all trying to fill up and all that. And by the way, it's got frets just like on a guitar. The whole front of these things is a solid chunk of aluminum. The outer box is plastic. Because plastic's weatherproof, da 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 da. It's got some great features. Plastic does, and it, it it's it's indestructible pretty much. In fact, we cover the whole thing with truck bed liner, and you could throw it down the stairs. You could jump up and down on these things. The bars being stainless steel, you literally can lay it on its back and jump up and down on it. But we don't disturb the sound, and we take the heat that's inside the box. Because if you put 100 watts to a speaker, consider it the same as a 100-watt light bulb. So even if you know nothing about wattage, you know, if you grab a hold of, if it's not an LED, you grab a hold of a 100-watt bulb, it's hot. These speakers can handle 350 watts. Damn hot in the cabinet. 95% of that energy turns to heat, not sound. 95%. So you have to fill, the, you know, those little heat lamps? That's what's going on inside the box. Where we heat up the front baffle, it goes up those little frets every you know however it is i think we got four of them and it goes up the bars and then the speakers are blowing over the bars and cooling themselves so everything about it is is you know so anyway my whole thing in life is to change the world so 
we probably have not grown the company as much as we should because I'm truly a Steve Wozniak. I'm about changing the world for intelligibility. And I don't think we're in the speaker business. We're in the communications business. I'm about what's in my brain to appear in your brain as undisturbed as possible. But if you got a friend, you know whatever comes out of your mouth and lands on their ears is not what your mouth put out. So when you're communicating, be it because of race differences or ethnic differences or religious differences or background, whether you're poor, you're rich. Even language. We we don't think in letters. And we don't think in letters and visually. So if you've got really poor visual, like everybody does PowerPoints, ass backward. They should be forced to look at a projection screen the size of what they're going to use in a room and totally do their PowerPoint on that screen because everybody puts a little bitty of shit you can't read from the back of the room. Hmm. So it's just wasting everybody's time. And people are watching the PowerPoint rather than the person speaking. They're looking at that instead of, and it's looking at you to get you involved with the people because it's that eye contact that shows you the soul of a person and it's the facial expansions. And we miss that. We miss out on that. So communications is about what's in my brain to be able to formulate in your brain so we're both in sync about what we're talking about. And you'll know that. And especially after doing teleradiography and all the stuff I've done in medical and other things, you go, you're talking about one thing. They're imagining something totally different. Mm-hmm. You know, and when you talk to your dog, he kind of gets it. Food in his name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they get it. They can sense when you're not feeling good. They can sense when you're angry. Because we have abandoned that because of all of our speech. We're so busy. Of course, here I am talking away, and I'm not giving you a chance to say anything, but we don't really (laughs) listen to other people. We don't really convey information. I want to make the world a better place. So I'm not the kind of guy to build the business, and it will build on its own in spite of me. You know, it always has. But I'm not about profit, and I'm not about, I believe fully, I'm in the inner city of Cleveland, Slavic Village, I've done a lot with that. I was the lieutenant governor for the Kiwanis and all this. I'm, I'm more about giving. I'm a giving person. There's different kind of people. But I believe that if you help other people, you're going to make it in the world. Because that's really all that matters is at the end of the day, your network is your net work. Your net worth is your network. But it's knowing that you have other people meet their goals and accomplish what they want to accomplish and help them. That's the best, that's the best feeling you could get. What other questions yeah. do we have? Manufacturing and cleaning. <laughs> How long are we going already? Right. Hours already? I don't know. We're just getting rolling here. So Cleveland is always, when it comes to software, they're all about, everybody's about software, 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 software. And those companies, I would, I would, I would dare say a lot of them, it's like that hockey stick and then it falls back the other way. Or they sell out and they move out of the city. They move out of Cleveland. Some of the biggest companies, as soon as they grow, they're out of here. Manufacturing is the backbone of this country. It really is. But it's like a it's like a bastard child, you know, to and we're not we've never looked for investment. In fact, we've always been totally cash. We've not we've owned all of our vehicles. We own like a you know a couple million worth of test equipment. We're and that's part of why we're successful because we're able to actually prove things the way it should be. And we're clever. We're not smart, but we're really clever. So it's, it's all about building communities and people. So you can't say you want to support the inner city and support people to make their lives better and then do it out in the suburbs because right now, especially people don't even, there's no transportation out there. So the companies out in the, in, in far out there, there's no way to, for people to get there to work. You want to help people enrich their lives. Manufacturing here for, for hardwares is hardwares that a lot tougher than anything else. But we've got eight suppliers. We don't build everything ourselves. We've got a place that the laser cuts the metal work for us. We have somebody that powder coats stuff for us. Things are TIG welded. The you know Everything about it, we've got other people supplying us. That's all made in Ohio, baby. Veteran-owned, made in Ohio. Yeah, yeah. We're proud of what we do. Oh, it's, it's an incredible story, yeah. <laughs> so I think we're at an opportune time. Omar Bose is gone. Klipsch has been gone for a while. And the people that started most of these major, there's only a few sound companies doing commercial. There are gazillions doing, you know, retail, residential stuff. I mean, there's so many speaker companies out there. It's unbelievable, but not in commercial, not in commercial. And we've got other cute things about ours. Ours will hang with two screws on the wall and you hang it and you can put a padlock, you unlock the padlock, you lift it up. 
It uh, runs, we could go 500 feet with telephone wire, with telephone wire, and not lose enough volume where you could perceive it's gotten softer, not lose two decibels. At 500 feet of telephone wire, and copper is expensive. So you can actually wire up a church or in a, a place with a staple gun like they used to use to run your telephone wire. We yeah. run on telephone wire, and we're passive. We don't have to plug it in. We don't need a computer to run it. So we've we've addressed everything that's the negative things about speakers. But it's more than that. We've we've got a whole vision about what we're going to do in the future. We've got some some great things we want to do in education because that's really where the passion is. We got to get the kids to have a great education and a great work experience and really be able to connect with each other and connect with the teacher. And you can't connect with a teacher in a classroom. Anything that's over 60 feet, you can't communicate. You're either shouting, and the kid in the back of the room doesn't get an education. I feel blessed my name starts with an A. Geez, I was in the front <laughs> row. So I, I got the best education going just because I start with an A. You know, hey, what's the odds of that happening? And it's a weird name. Althar is so much different than anybody else. You put A-L-T-H-A-R. I'm the first date on the web. I don't have to do any SEO stuff. We're right at the top. Right at the top. We figure we'll end up buying all those other companies and make them a little division of ours. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's that's what I tell people. We bought <laughs> by them, we're gonna buy them. And you gotta think big. I think Cleveland, everybody looks at Cleveland, they go, Oh, you gotta go out to the coast. I think we've got so much brain power here and so much talent because of the medical, obviously, because of our industry, and because we have a heart. It's it's a passion. It's really a passion that people want to build businesses. And help each other out. I don't care. And everybody is important in the world. I don't care whether somebody is washing dishes or what their job is. Their job is just as important as anybody else's. And you know, when you're in the military, that jet fighter ain't going to go without that JP4 fuel. And if the guy didn't have the dishes washed and he gets Montezuma's revenge, it's tough to fly a fighter. And if he doesn't have his radar and his weapons don't work, so... Every single person is just as important as the next. They're either here to benefit you or to give you a lesson of what you shouldn't be doing. So everybody's important. We got to treat yeah. them like they're important. That's a beautiful way to look at the world. So I'm sorry I didn't give you a chance to talk. No, it's not. It's not. The a hidden gem in Cleveland. It's, it's your we story. We have yeah. a waterfall <laughs> in Slavic Village that's the highest in the county. We have a 42 foot waterfall, and if the powers that be, it's it's twice the size of the Chagrin Falls one, and it's right Where on is Broadway. That? Right in Slavic Village. It's called Mill Creek Falls, and the Metro Park spent two million dollars building walkways and stuff. It's freaking crazy great. Our Metro Parks. That green necklace that we have is unfreaking believable. That you can go out and within a minute be right there in nature. Nature is phenomenal. And you know what we need to do more of is since the beginning of time, people sat around and told stories. Everybody's life has a story. Yeah. And every one of them is worth hearing. And to just sit around and, and break bread is, there's nothing better. Yeah. Anyway, any other thoughts? Any questions, Jeff? I have not. Oh, you haven't I, asked any questions. And you told me you were going to take the job of that Johnny Carson or what's his name that's on TV now. I, I don't know that I've, I've needed to ask any questions. I, I, could, I could imagine that you are able to kind of speak to all the things that you see in the world that are done because it's the way they've always been done. And <laughs> oh, it's every and, day I look at stuff and I go... <laughs> <laughs> what in the hell were they thinking? And it's it's everywhere. I mean, it's it's literally everywhere. And it comes from people doing what's always been done. It's like when they when they stop a car, they either have brake shoes or disc pads. So you're telling me the very first people ever built cars were that damn smart that here we are, you know, decades later, still stopping them in the same damn way. Or let's say if you didn't have rubber. How would you make the, how would, you got to imagine whatever you're leaning on for your technology, imagine to yourself, what if we didn't have that technology? How could we accomplish the same thing? And that's when you end up with things that's beyond what you're doing now. Because any technology gets better and better and better till it reaches like a brick wall. Then it can't get no better. Makes sense? But then you stand back and you look at it, like right now, in a good example, a lot of the stuff that we're relying on because of supply, we can't get. So you're going to very quickly find 
that we're going to find better ways. And some of them will end up being better than what we've been doing because this is the way we've always built this. And when you do it a different way, you might find out it's actually a better way of doing it. Yeah, it's just unfortunate that sometimes it takes the the catalyst of something truly catastrophic to give you that deliberate pause. Well, I mean, Dennis, this was a, an enlightening conversation. Um, <laughs> I, I, I truly, I, I think we could probably talk for, for many more hours, but. Um, oh yeah, but it's, it's reaching that, oh, you said hour and a half, so I'm still got six minutes. We got to beat the other guys. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll ask you, I'll ask you a closing question then. Cause I, I am sure. curious when you think about all of the problems that that you observe in the world, you know, why is it that you that, that you chose to focus on on this audible literacy and and communication when it when you I imagine you really could have tackled any any variety of problems. I'll give you my my take on business. Is that okay? Is the final word? Sure. I will present to you that trains are in the same business as McDonald's. Do you know what that business is? And everybody always goes, they're in a real estate business because they watched the movie. Do you know what McDonald's real business is and what made them explode? They shift time. time. When you go to McDonald's, you could grab a, a Big Mac and be on the turnpike and you've just saved yourself a half an hour to an hour of time that day. So all the fast foods, what they're really selling is time shifting. When they did the, the drive-throughs, it's 86% of their business. And in COVID, the Wendy's, McDonald's, and all those places have never done better business. In yeah. fact, the rallies and places like that, and there's McDonald's that still aren't open up inside because they realize they're making better money by just the drive-through. And they're really in the time-shifting business. That's how come Blockbusters is gone and Netflix. It's the time of picking up that DVD and picking it back. So yeah. anything that shifts time is valuable. If you've got a CAT scanner that can do a slice, three slices a second versus one that does one a second, even if the images are exactly the same, you don't think it's that much faster. But over right. a year, that's a lot of patience. But it's it's interesting because the as much as those are, are saving time, I feel like in a lot of ways the the businesses of today are in the are in competition just with other things that you do, just and your time, right? Like Netflix is in competition with sleep, with with That's your right. physical activity, with your work, right? It's as much as they're saving time, they're trying to absorb your time. <laughs> that's, their, that's their job is to absorb your time. So anything that shifts time, if you've got an NC machine that can crank out parts twice as fast as another and it's 50% more expensive, it's cheaper, right? If you're punching out, so you're really paying for time is a, a valuable thing because in reality, all of us are finite creatures. So in the back of your brain, you know that if say you were to live forever, you could never, ever die. Nobody would ever be in a big rush because it wouldn't matter. <laughs> you know, it wouldn't matter. So anything that shifts time is very valuable because the most expensive thing that exists is time. Steve Jobs couldn't have bought one more minute of his life for a billion dollars. All you have is time and it's limited. And anything that affects your senses, anything that goes in your eyes, your nose, your ears, your mouth, and gets converted to dopamine and endorphins, that's sex, drugs, rock and roll. And anything that, why would you go and pay good money for a meal or go to a concert or listen to music in an elevator, as bad as it is, but anything that affects our senses, because we seek out things. They, they always talk about this business thing. If I hear one more time, they say, well, what's the pain point? Do they miss all the pleasure point? You don't get comfortable seats because of pain. You get comfortable. You'll seek comfort. You'll seek good things. You'll run away from pain. So do you want to only sell because of the pain point? Or do you want to have things where it's a pleasure point and people feel good about what, you're, what you've got? People love music. Why would they sell all those CDs or streaming or all this? Because we're wired for sound. We're wired, and it makes dopamine and endorphins. When you eat a good meal, you go, damn, that pizza was rocking, right? So anything that affects your senses, anything that affects time shifting, and anything that affects ego and pride. Why do you wear the Rolex watch? It's the same time as your my Mickey Mouse Apple watch. Why do you drive the Porsche? Because Porsche gives you the thrill of the speed, saves time, and ego, all rolled into one little piece. And people will trade one for another. You'll go to Cedar Point and, and wait a half an hour for that damn demon drop. 
<laughs> and you trade time for that thrill. So I present that most things in life are going to affect your senses, shift time, or affect ego. That covers a lot of things when you really peel away what things are about. Not 100%, but a lot of things. If it's shifting time, we hang our speakers in two screws and they're hung. Everybody else is there for days, renting scissors lifts and stuff. Here, these the highest they ever go is 10 feet off the ground in a gym. You could do that from a stepladder. Well, well Jeff, uh, we've got to meet. you got to come by and visit my lab because you're going to be astounded when you oh, see I, I this would, is, this I would is love a cool that. place. Oh, wait, I could actually <laughs> zoom out and see some of this stuff here. Oh, my God. <laughs> so if you, you look at this not- place. I, I have to try and describe what just happened for, for everyone listening, which was for the entirety of our conversation for the last hour and a half. It was like a normal Zoom where you, you see someone and they're, they're right on the other side of the screen. And what Dennis just did is he zoomed out. And this entire conversation, he was maybe like four tables away. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. We got all the toys here. We got more toys than Carter's got liver papers. Actually, when I do Zoom, we got a 100-inch screen to watch the main speaker. So this is this is what our place looks like. Wow. It's a lot of, a lot of cool stuff. It is it is very cool for, for those without the visual aid. <laughs> well, well, Dennis, if folks have anything they would want to follow up with you about, philosophically, audio, <laughs> or otherwise, what, what is the best way for them to do so? My email, and my, my name's always upside down on my emails, which I don't know if you've seen it yet. <laughs> but anyway, Althar, A-L-T-H-A-R, audio, A-U-D-I-O, at gmail.com. Althar Audio Gmail. And AltharAudio.com is the website, AltharAudio.com. Jeffrey, you got to come here and break bread. We'll have a great time. You got to see a movie in our theater. We've only got right. 6,000 DVDs and a few thousand lasers. So, but it, it's full Atmos. It's, it's got the whole spiel. It's, I, it's I look forward pretty to pretty good. Yeah. Well, Dennis, thank you. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. God bless Jeff. That's all for this week. Thank you for listening. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show. So if you have any feedback, please send over an email to jeffrey at layoftheland.fm or find us on Twitter at podlayoftheland or at sternhefe, J-E-F-E. If you or someone you know would make a good guest for our show, please reach out as well and let us know. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or on your preferred podcast player. Your support goes a long way to help us spread the word and continue to bring the Cleveland founders and builders we love having on the show. We'll be back here next week at the same time to map more of the land. The Lay of the Land podcast was developed in collaboration with the Up Company LLC. At the time of this recording, unless otherwise indicated, we do not own equity or other financial interests in the company which appear on the show. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of any entity which employs us. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.